Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger of Story Point Church, located in the heart of Gulf Breeze, Florida. And now, here's Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger for this week's message from Story Point Church. Take your Bible, if you would, turn to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to start there. In a little while, we're going to turn to Joshua chapter 1. Just to kind of set the stage, let's talk for a moment. First of all, I appreciate the opportunity to be able to share today. Pastor Jeff is out for a few weeks, and I get to fill in for a couple of weeks, and, and really thrilled and excited about that, as always. So when when Pastor Jeff asked me, I guess a month, month and a half ago, if I would fill in, of course the answer is yes without even thinking, but then becomes the idea of and the prayer of, Father, what do you want me to share? What do your people need to hear? And what should be the topic? And God took me to this verse, or these two verses in 2 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning with verse 23. And so let's read this together, and then I'll talk a little bit more kind of about the theme, because this is a three-week theme of focusing on spiritual, physical, and emotional renourishment. So renourishing the essence of who we are and the necessity of it, especially in the year in which we're living. Now, we're going to pick up in verse 23, but this is actually the very end of the second letter that Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica. And this is a conclusion, a doxology, a prayer that Paul is praying over the church. And it's a prayer that I want us to pray over our church. And then I want each of us to be able to pray this as a prayer to God over our own hearts and over our own lives. 2 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and He will do it. So for three weeks, we're going to be looking at the center of this verse, the spirit, the soul, and the body. We're going to do it in a little bit different order. Today, we're looking at the soul, which we're associating with the mind. Next week, Dr. Tim's going to talk to us about the body, and the week after that, I'm going to talk to us about the spirit. But a focus here over the necessity of a renourishment of the soul, the body, and the spirit. And so from a prayer perspective, one of the things that I encourage our teenagers to do on a regular basis that I encourage you to do is to take the truths that we find in Scripture and to pray them as a prayer or a declaration over our own hearts and our own lives. So many times I will find in Scripture a prayer that someone prayed over someone else, such as this prayer that Paul prayed over this church. 
and I'll tweak the word slightly so that I begin to pray it as a prayer over my own heart, over my own life. For instance, Father, God, You are the God of peace. You are the God of shalom. Would you sanctify me? Would you purify me? Would you consecrate me? Would you set me apart through and through? And I pray that my entire being, my spirit, my soul, and my body be kept blameless at the coming of my big brother, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know that you being the one who calls me is faithful and you will do what I ask. Now you can tweak it any way that you want to so that you change it to that perspective of praying it as a prayer over our own hearts and over our lives. So many times, what is one of the main issues that people have when it comes to praying? I don't know what to pray. As we study the Scripture, and if you make note, you will find multiple prayers that you can pray over your own heart and your life, such as this prayer. So that when you don't know what to pray, you can open it up and pray it. Father, I don't really know what to say right now, but here, I remember this one. Let me pray this as a prayer over my own heart, over my own life. And so we're looking at this series of of. The topic of renourishment of our soul, renourishment of our body, renourishment of our spirit. But I want you to think about the word renourishment for a moment. It means to be nourished again. And as we take care of our bodies, we nourish our bodies. How do we do that? By eating by sleeping, by drinking fluids, by exercise. We renourish it. Because if we don't re-nourishment, it dies, it passes away. But the same is true for our spirit and for our soul and for our mind. And as we live in a pandemic era of 2020, we need to re-nourish, be intentional in the re-nourishment of our soul. Next week, body, the week after that, spirit. But intentionally this week, a nourishment, a renourishment of the very soul within us, of our minds. And we're going to look at Scripture today to kind of talk through that. I believe that God speaks to us in a multiple different ways, a whole lot of different ways. And what He speaks many times is a progression, a progression. One after another after another, as we see here. A progression of reminders. Isn't it good that God speaks to us and reminds us of something over and over and over and over and over again? We think because we're all grown up, we don't need to be told over and over and over again. But our good Father in heaven, who is a beautiful, perfect, loving, heavenly Father, knows that we are children at heart. We can put on the adult mantle, but at heart we're children. And he knows, just like we as parents know dealing with little children, that we have to be told over and over and over again. And because he is so good, he does that. The problem is we don't really acknowledge it or we don't recognize it. But God provides a progression of reminders for us. 
If you would, take your Bibles, turn to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua's deck toward the beginning of the Bible. You have the, the, the Torah, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And then you have the book of Joshua. So our teenagers and I, and I and some of our adult leaders went through a study of Joshua a while back. And I love the way God brings things together because Friday morning I was spending a, an additional amount of time thinking about what to speak on today because I, had, I knew the topic, I knew what I wanted to say and the direction I felt like God wanted me to go, but the number of scriptures was about this long and I started narrowing down and it just didn't work out. What I had in my mind from earlier in the week, God said, no, you're chasing a rabbit trail, don't even go that way. This is what I want you to focus on. And so he took me back to Joshua. And I want us to look at a progression of reminders that God gave to Joshua as an example that God speaks in that way. And then I want to share with you in my own life over the course of the last nine months or so, some progression of reminders that God has given to me personally and see how we apply those to the here and now and to today. So Joshua chapter one, let me set the story for you a little bit before we begin because Joshua begins at the end of Moses' life at the beginning of Joshua's taking charge, becoming uh, the leader of the nation of Israel. It does not pick up at the beginning of the story of Joshua. The story of Joshua starts many years earlier. He's born a slave in captivity in Egypt. And as a young man, an older man comes into town and begins to talk about freedom. This is Moses. Joshua, we're told from Scripture, not long after that, becomes a protege, becomes a disciple, becomes uh, a, a student of Moses and spends many, many years at the feet of Moses learning from him, learning about God from him. And then after they escape from Egypt, after they leave Egypt, Moses goes on Mount Sinai. We know he's up there for 40 days. Among other things, he gets the Ten Commandments. And there was one individual that went with him, and that was Joshua. Now, although Joshua didn't go all the way to the top, he was really close. He spent 40 days on the mountain, as did Moses. A little bit later, we find the story of the Tent of Meeting, one of my favorite passages in all of scripture where we said where we find out that this large army this large mass of people living in this tent city outside of the tent city is a tent of meeting the tabernacle before it actually becomes the tabernacle and we're told in the scripture that when Moses would go through the city go through the tent village to the tent of meeting everybody would stand up and watch and observe And then they would watch as Moses got up top there and went in. And when he went inside, a cloud, the cloud of God descended upon there and they connected. We're also told after that story, my favorite line is that when Moses left, Joshua stayed. Joshua wanted more of this. And so that brings us about to where we're going to pick up. So if you're in Joshua chapter 1, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go backwards in your Bible about two pages maybe three, two pages or three pages, all the way to Deuteronomy chapter 31. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6 is where we're going to start. And here's what's happening. Moses, this is the last few days of his life. Maybe the very last day. We don't know exactly. But this is the last few days of Moses' life. 
And he's given final instructions. So set the stage. Moses knows at 120 years old that he's going to be, that he's fixing to go meet the Lord face to face. That he's fixing to leave this earth and go to the next. And he wants to give final instructions. And so his final instructions are first to the people of Israel. And that's where we pick up at verse 6 of Deuteronomy 31. Moses, talking to the people of Israel from his own heart, says this, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God, Jehovah your Elohim, the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And as Kevin was leading music earlier, someone actually uh, labeled that, called that name out. Uh, the, the fact that God will never leave us and never, never forsake us is one of those promises, one of those truths of Scripture that we go back to. He gives instructions from his heart based on his knowledge of God, based on his years of experience to an entire nation. Be strong. Be courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be terrified. Don't give up. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And so he's given this proclamation to the nation. Guess who's part of that nation? Joshua. He's standing right there with them. And then Joshua looks at Moses and Moses brings him up on stage. He brings him in front of the people. And now we look at verse 7. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him, in the presence of all Israel. So he's just proclaimed this over Israel from his heart. He now turns face to face, eyeball to eyeball, to Joshua in front of everybody, anointing him as the leader, showing the rest of the nation, this is the next man, the next leader, the next guide for the people. And then he looks at him and gives him almost a word for word declaration that he had just given to the nation. Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord, Jehovah, the Lord Himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Again, from His heart, And his life experience and his relationship with God, he knows the truth. And he's declaring this truth, prophesying this truth, anointing this truth over over Joshua. And what is that truth? The same thing. Be strong. Be courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be terrified. Don't compromise. Don't give up. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. Then, just a few verses later, verse 23, we find out that God speaks to Moses and says to Moses to give these words to Joshua. Moses is writing these words down and telling this to Joshua. The Lord gave this command to Joshua, son of Nun. Be strong and courageous, for you will bring the Israelites into the land I promised them on oath, and myself will be with you. I myself will be with you. So here we see this series of three. We see this progression of reminders. He reminded God. God reminded, uh, uh, Joshua was reminded through the words of Moses, through the words of Moses, and through the words of Moses from God, these truths. This foundation. Why? He told him over and over and over again 
so that he would remember, so that he would not forget. He's setting this foundation. What does the scripture say about raising up a child in the way they should go? Because when they're older, they won't depart from that firm foundation. The foundation is critical. And although you and I know from our own lives that even though the foundation may be secure, sometimes we go off on wild tangents and do crazy things that we shouldn't do, we still can have that firm foundation to fall back upon. So the foundation is absolutely critical. And then we turn to Joshua chapter 1. And we find more of this progression of reminders So again, I want us to grasp the order that this happened. Moses to the people, Moses to Joshua, and God talks to Joshua, but Moses is the one who writes this down and is proclaiming this. Now, Moses is gone. Joshua is in charge. Joshua 1, chapter chapter 1, verse 6. Actually, start the sentence before in verse 5. I will never leave you nor forsake you. God himself speaking to Joshua I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people into the inheritance of the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the laws my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful in whatever you do. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God, Yehovah your Elohim, will be with you wherever you go. Again, three more times. Three more times, the same words are spoken that Joshua hears as this progression of reminders of the foundation of the truth. I want us to think about that now from our situation here in 2020. Because we're speaking specifically today about the soul, about the mind, about taking every thought captive. And we live right now in a society where everything we hear is negative. Everything that's coming across, for the most part, across the newsreel is negative. The conversations we have in the lobby are negative. The conversations we see on social media are negative. The conversations we have with our neighbors are negative. Negativity upon negativity upon negativity upon negativity. And before long, because what goes into our eyes and goes into our ears rattles around in our mind, it starts to become the way we truly think, act, and behave. So we as Christ followers must guard ourselves. What comes into our eyes and what comes into our ears. Because more negative coming in will be more negative coming out. If we are not very, very careful. We need to renourish what's coming inside. But how do we do that when everything is negative? The school system is negative. The political system is negative. The COVID 
The, 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 everything is negative, negative, negative. How do I put good stuff in my mind? How do I nourish myself? It's almost like, and I don't want to take away from, from Dr. Tim, but it's almost like all I'm going to eat is Popeye's fried chicken and Krispy Kreme donuts for the next two years. Amen. And we hear some amens on there, but let me tell you, your body is not going to thank you for that after a short period of time. And that's what we're doing in our minds. We're filling so much into our minds that it's negative that it is diminishing the nourishment within us. We have to nourish our minds. So how do we do that? What feeds and renourishes the soul? What does that actually look like? Well, in the example we just looked at, in Joshua chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, God gives several options, several things that Joshua can and must and should do in order to Keep that nourishment of the mind taken care of. Now, here's the difference. Joshua lived several thousand years ago, and here we are today. And so putting ourselves in the place of Joshua, we can kind of do it a little bit in our minds, but we really don't understand what it was like to be a slave in Egypt. We really don't understand what it was like to cross the, the Red Sea. We really don't understand what it was to stand on a mountaintop with Moses up there and look down and see all the debauchery going on and the golden calf being formed. We don't really understand all that was going on, going into the promised land, spying it out, coming back saying, yay, we can do it, but everybody else we were with, with the exception of our, our BFF, said, no, we can't do it, and the whole nation's punished for 40 years because of their disobedience. We can't really grasp that. We can't really grasp what it was like to sit in the tent of meeting with God falling fresh, filling Moses and sitting there being a part of it. So we can try to put ourselves in his place, but we really don't grasp it and understand it. That's, too, that's true to a degree. So you see, the principles that God gives us in Scripture specifically in this are applicable today. And they're applicable back then, and they'll be applicable until he returns. You see, the truths of God are the truths of God. They're from everlasting to everlasting, like he is from everlasting to everlasting. If his truths were not from everlasting to everlasting, then he wouldn't really be God. Foundation. Is the truths of God foundational? Yes or no? I have to determine that within me. We can preach about it and teach about it. We can have Sunday school lessons about it. We can leave podcasts and sing songs about it. But ultimately, as an individual, I have to make that decision within myself. Do I truly believe, as a foundational statement, that the truths of God are the truths of God and they're universal? They're from everlasting to everlasting. If I say yes to that, then I look at these principles and I can put them into play in my life. And that's what we're called to do. So look at these principles again. I'm just going to read them briefly. Be careful to obey the law. Do not turn from it to the right or the left, that you may be successful in what you do. Keep the book of the law always on your lips and meditate on it day and night, so that it may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will prosper and be successful. Now, this is not a formula for making a million dollars. This is not a formula for being the next CEO of the next great corporation. That's not what this is about. It is about the lifestyle of intentionality of putting the things of God before the things of the flesh, but putting the things of God as a forefront on my heart and on my mind. How do I actually do that? What does that actually look like? Well, it says here to keep the book of the law on your lips. What is the book of the law? 
Now, the book of the law in the original language is the word Torah, T-O-R-A-H. That's how we write it in English. Torah is what the Israelites called the first five books. Now, keep in mind, when Joshua is pinning this, the first five books of the Bible was the only books of the Bible. Everything else came after. That's all that he had was Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And that was handed to them from Moses. He didn't have the rest of it. But we look at that today, again, taking truths that are universal and applying to us today is the whole of Scripture. Paul tells Timothy, all Scripture is God-breathed, right? You can do multiple things with it. You can teach it. You can correct. You can encourage. All Scripture. So keeping the book Keeping the Torah, keeping the Word of God on our hearts and on our minds and on our lips is important. What does it mean to keep it on our lips? It means we're talking about it. We're not only reading it, but we're talking about it. We're having conversation about it. What do you spend the majority of your day talking about? Think about that for a moment. On a given day, what do you spend the majority of your day talking about? If you can figure that out, then you can figure out what you spend the majority of your day thinking about. Because it's kind of hard to talk about it if you're not thinking about it. And if the majority of the day is not on things that are God-centric, no wonder we struggle mentally keeping it nourished in the things of God. Now, some of us have occupations where I, I'm, I'm thinking about something outside of God all day long because it's this business pro- proposition or it's, or it's this issue that I'm dealing with or I'm teaching this, whatever it happens to be. But the Bible does talk about praying without ceasing. It's talking about living a lifestyle that's totally dedicated to God. I read an interesting book, an interesting book, a great book um, that I've read several times in the past, but I, I read it again a week or two ago. And it's called Practicing the Presence of God. If you do want to read it, I would encourage you to get a modern English translation because these are some of the letters from a Franciscan monk named Brother Lawrence who lived in the late 1600s. So, Late 1600s and French and English today. You need to make sure you get a, good, uh, a copy that we can understand. But his whole premise of living life as a Christ follower was everything he did was to the glory of God at the expense of worrying about what mankind thought. So you start thinking about that and let that sink in. Who is it that we're pleasing in our lives? Who is it that we choose, that we want to, that we gravitate to pleasing in our lives? And do we put them before pleasing God? And that's what Brother Lawrence was struggling with for years. And he said, that's why I have to practice it because I'm not good at it. And when I make a mistake, I just admit, God, I made another mistake. Go figure. Look at me. You made me. You know me. You know what's going on in my head. I'm just a mixed up bunch of nuts going around, bopping around, falling out and I messed up again, but guess what? I'm going to get right back up and I'm going to practice in this moment the presence of God. And he said, just a couple of examples, was even as he picks up a piece of straw off the ground, he's going to do it to the honor and glory of God. One of his jobs inside the monastery was to cook. He said, even as I'm cooking, I lay everything else out and I prepare, do the very best that I can and I start cooking everything I'm doing. I'm singing to God, I'm praying to God, I'm working with Him, I'm thinking about Him, I'm processing Him as I'm cooking. 
He said you had to practice it though. Because it takes time to develop skills for all of us. None of us are naturally good at an expert level at anything. We may be gifted at something, but even the things that we're gifted at, we have to practice in order to reach that next level. And that's what this is like. We have to practice the presence of God. We have to practice nourishing ourselves. Our own lives are an example of that. Have you ever seen a six-month-old try to nourish themselves? It can't be done. They have to have mom. They have to. And then they started to get the hand-eye coordination down. I can't remember, even though i got four kids. I'm, I'm thinking year and a half or so, maybe a year, whenever that is. I blocked some of that out of my mind. The, the carrots all in the hair and all that. Oh, my goodness. But at some point, they start to develop hand-eye coordination, and they start with that little spoon, and they're trying to get their hands around it and scoop the food into their mouth. They have to practice they had to practice walking and falling down and walking and falling down and walking and falling down over and over and over again. And yet, when it comes to the spiritual life, when it comes to our soul, we assume it's a snap of a finger and everything should be the way that it is. It should be right because I prayed one prayer. Boom, God, give it to me. Okay? It doesn't work that way. How many of us prayed for our children just just start eating like an adult? Start running before they even could crawl. I mean, our physical bodies, we don't think that way, but we associate that with our, with our soul. Hungering and thirsting for the things of God. So we see this example here in Joshua of feeding and renourishing his soul. What were the four things? He gave four basic examples here. One was reading God's word. Reading God's word. Reading this, uh, uh, thinking about it, he's talking about meditating it, reading it, studying it, memorizing it, putting it into mind. Guys, osmosis doesn't work. I've tried. I tried for years and it didn't work. It didn't work with Bible study. It didn't work with math. Or the owner's manual to the washing machine. It didn't work. So I have to read it, right? The next, I have to verbally proclaim it with my mouth. Verbally Proclaim truth. That's something else that Kevin mentioned earlier. Verbally proclaiming truth. And I don't understand how this works. I just know that it does work. There is something. Maybe it's scientific. I don't know. But there is something different about speaking truth out loud so that my eardrums hear my vocal cords proclaiming God's truth. There's something to that that takes reading and studying internally to another level. Now, I'm not saying all you, can, you have to pray out loud every single time. You can't pray inside your head. You can't think inside your head. I'm not saying that. Don't go down that path. What I'm saying is... We're okay, for the most part, praying out loud, but when it comes to being time with God, meditating and processing and, and, and being alone with God, it has to be silence. Maybe there's a little bit of music in the background, something for ambiance. Maybe there's a candle, but the whole idea of speaking out loud, we just don't seem to do that. But there is something godly, something inspirational within our body, within our soul, within our spirit, that when we start verbalizing these truths out loud so that my ears hear me saying, this is truth, something takes it to a whole nother level. I don't understand it, it just does. Meditating on the word of God. 
More than just reading and studying it, meditating, let it become a part of who we are and applying those truths. Application, I have to apply these truths to who I am. I have to apply these truths. It doesn't do no good to memorize this and not live it out. That's what the lost and dying world does. If I want to be different, if I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and moving in His power and His might and and having control of my emotions and my spirit and my body, I have to apply the truths. Joshua would not have been successful in the things that he did had he not applied the truths, these principles that God gave him. Now, God gave them to him as a command, but it's still his choice whether or not to do it. The same is true with us. We can choose to obey or not to obey, and it's totally up to us. Totally up to us. So has God given us a progression of reminders? Has God given you a progression of reminders? I told you I want to share briefly a progression of reminders that God has given me over this year. And most of this I have shared with the church at one point or another. I talk about a lot of this in youth ministry on a regular basis. But back in January, first few days of January of this year, 2020, I was really struggling because being in charge of youth ministry... I'm the one that people look to to have a vision direction and, you know, know, what we're going to do in 2020. What does it look like? And I had no idea. No idea whatsoever. And for about four, five, six days, January was here. And I was like, God, I've got nothing. God, I've got nothing. What you got for me? Come on, give me something. Give me something. Give me something. And then just as clear as day one day, one one day he, he just, I was praying, I was talking about it, and just as clear as day he said the word for 2020 is overcome wasn't 2020 vision. It wasn't all these wonderful things. It was simply the word overcome. And what a word that is for our church. What a word that is for our world in the midst of what's happened since January is the word overcome. So I spent six weeks or so, eight weeks, maybe a little bit longer, talking with the teenagers about this every single week. Overcome. 2020 is the year of overcoming. I don't know what that means. I don't know what's coming in 2020. But we will overcome through Christ who gives us strength. We will overcome because we are Christ's followers. Doesn't mean everything's going to be good. Doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect. But we will overcome as a promise from God. And then mid-March hit. We all know what happened there. Pandemic globally now affected us locally. And for months, it's been going on. And through my personal struggles over the last six months, I keep crying out to God, and I keep reminding myself the truth, we will overcome. I will overcome. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Doesn't mean there won't be issues. But in the end, as a Christ follower, I will overcome. And even overcoming means going up there to see Him. I will overcome. And then end of May comes. And times are tough. I mean, we're really in the heart of this pandemic. And, and I'm praying. I'm asking God. I like, God, I, I, you know, what's summer look like? Trying to figure out summer with youth ministry and, and pandemic 2020 was crazy. And I, I was praying and God spoke to my, to my heart and, uh, about dry bones coming back to life. The story of Ezekiel. Come back to life. Speak it. Bones come back to life. And it wasn't just in a physical nature, it was an emotional, spiritual nature as well. Think about this for a moment. I used this example in the youth ministry a few weeks ago. If our bones within our bodies, physical bodies, are what give us structure, imagine for a moment what would happen if suddenly every single bone in my body disappeared. What would I be? 
a glob. Wouldn't I? Wouldn't I? Wouldn't you? You'd be a great big glob if every bone in your body was suddenly gone. They were not there anymore. And yet, dry and brittle bones is what has been going on in so many of us in a mind perspective, in an emotional perspective. Dry bones come back to life. We need to nourish our mind. We need to nourish our soul. And we do that by these same principles that he gave to Joshua. And then September's here. And it's practice, 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 practice. Practice the presence of God. Practice spiritual maturity. Practice living a Christ-like life. Practice, put it into practice, all these truths that we find in Scripture. We have to put them into practice in our hearts, in our lives, and give ourselves grace to acknowledge we don't have it all together. Give ourselves grace to say we're not at the end. We have not achieved. We've not gotten there, but we're on the road. Why? Because God gives us a progression of reminders of the truth. And we are completely out of time, and I'm just getting to the application. So I'm going to summarize this really, really quick. There is a distinct difference between the power of positive thinking and the power of godly thinking. We live in a world that teaches, especially in a um, secular arena, the power of positive thinking. You know, pat on the back, I can do it. I've got friends, everybody likes me. Yay, I'm a good person. Look in the mirror, two thumbs up type of thing. But the power of positive thinking is pale in comparison to the power of godly thinking. We have to get out of the mindset of I need to be positive about my life to get in the mindset of I need to be godly about my mind. My life, my mind, it needs to be God-centric. God-centric. And the only way that can happen is through a study of the Word of God, an applying of the Word of God, a delving into the Word of God, a meditating on the Word of God, fleshing it out. From an application perspective, a yes column and a no column. What do we say no to? What did God command Joshua to say no to? Say no to fear. Say no to terror. Say no to compromise. Say no to giving in. Say no to discouragement. Oh my goodness. Why? Because all of these things are going to happen to us. It doesn't say as a Christ follower, you're not going to experience these things. He didn't tell Joshua, you're not going to have fear. You're not going to have terror. You're not going to have discouragement. He said, in the face of it, tell it no. That's not the same thing. We think that because we're Christ followers, we live in a messed up, broken world, but guess what? I got the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within me. Therefore, I'm not going to have fear, I'm not going to have terror, and I'm not going to have discouragement. Anybody here by show of hands has not dealt with discouragement this year? Wow, nobody. It applies to all of us. In the face of discouragement, we say no. What do we say yes to? The yes column. Strength and courage. Be strong and courageous. Obey and apply. We say yes to obeying the principles of Scripture and applying them to our lives. And then finally, speaking and thinking truth. Speaking and thinking in our mind. We want nourishment of our minds. This is how it's filled. I'm going to end with just a few verses to reiterate this point. And these are... So few. There's so many in Scripture. 
Simply looking at what we talked about today. Deuteronomy 31, Joshua 1, and then you go also to Hebrews chapter 13. These same words are spoken multiple times to the people of God, which include us. God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That's truth. You ever heard the expression, just because you feel it doesn't mean that it's true? You ever felt like God has abandoned you? You ever felt like God's not around? You ever felt like God's not answering my prayers? God's not listening? God's not here? And when those emotions, when those thoughts start to captive, take captive our mind, we speak truth into them. We say no to discouragement and yes to you will never leave me and never forsake me. Now, I said it one time, I feel good, right? I can go ride my bike. No, you don't ride the bike the first time. It takes practice. I have to say it over and over and over again. And then when that thought comes back, I'm going to stand on the firm foundation that God will never leave me and never forsake me. Well, it feels like he has right now, but the truth is, the foundation is, he will never leave me and never forsake me, regardless of my circumstances, regardless of what I feel right now. And so in the midst of the feeling of the chaos and the anger and the frustration I have to have the foundation to go back to of you will never leave me and never forsake me inside of my heart, inside of my mind. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Yay, right? We put that on the banner, we put it on our car. Yeah, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And then when things stink, we don't claim that verse. Well, you know what Paul is saying just before he writes that verse? Life stinks, it's hard, but... I can bear all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can make it through all things because Christ is the one that gives me strength. I can endure this situation because it is Christ who gives me strength. Doesn't mean the situation dissipates. Doesn't mean it goes away. Doesn't mean we stop praying or should stop praying. It doesn't say any of that other than in this point of life, the truth is I can because he said it. That's it. Romans 8.31, if God is for me, y'all ready to go? If God is for me, who can be against me? Okay, same situation, he's writing to Rome. Things are tough, people are out to get you, life's not gonna be great. But if God is for me, who can be against me? As a statement of our faith, two more, then we're done. Y'all know this one probably, Jeremiah 29.11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Truths, foundational truths to us today. They didn't die out years ago when the Old Testament suddenly became the New Testament. It, is, it wasn't something that was written for thousands of years ago. That's truth today. The same God who spoke those words is the same God that spoke your name before the creation of the world, according to Scripture. The same God who formed you inside of your mother's womb, who has a purpose and a plan for your life, and it's good. And right now it's hard, and right now it stinks, and right now there's chaos everywhere, but the plan's still good. Why? Because he's truth, and he's from everlasting to everlasting. And the same foundational truth that was truth in 2019 will also be the same truth in 2021. And all the way that direction as it was all the way that direction. I have to speak that out loud to remind myself of the truth. If not, I'll start listening to everything else coming in here. 
And that affects my judgment. Last one, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. Rejoice at all times. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in every circumstance. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Oh, that's beautiful. I think that's probably on Pinterest somewhere as well. I can see it pictured with flowers in the background, maybe a cross on a hill, and the Easter bunny on one side. Yeah, it feels good. And then life hits, and you're like, how on earth am I supposed to rejoice when my heart is crying? How can I pray without ceasing when I feel like he's not listening? How can I give thanks in this circumstance, in this situation? And yet acknowledge he wants me to do all this. This is his will for me in Christ Jesus as a Christ follower. Doesn't say it's going to be easy. He says you got to practice it. You got to practice it. You got to practice. Let's put it into practice. I've started putting it into practice. This practicing the presence of God. I've been practicing it for a little over a week now intentionally. It's been pretty cool. There's a few moments it's not been easy. Matter of fact, there's probably been more moments that it's not been easy than it has been easy. Matter of fact, that's probably not even a probably statement. That's not a probably statement. That's a fact. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Kevin, you can come on up. We're going to wrap this up. If you would, close your eyes, bow your head. and I just want you to think for a moment. Kind of leave your mind open. Don't start praying. Don't start doing anything, but just kind of, kind of think for a moment. And, and ask yourself a question or two or three. Do I feel like He has left me and He's forsaken me? Do I feel like these promises are for everybody else and not for me? Do I feel like I I don't trust Him? I can't rejoice. I can't give thanks. In this world, you will have trouble. Gee, thank you, Jesus. I sure didn't need to hear that this morning. I'm already feeling it and to be reminded of it that doesn't help but speaking the truths of God speaking them out loud eardrums listen to the truth eardrums within us listen to the truth truth speak to my mind Truth, speak to my soul. Father, would you... I, I want you just to erase all the negativity that comes into our ears. That's what I want you to do. I want you to erase all the negativity that comes into our eyes. I just want it gone. We want it gone. 
But we know the truth that evil is still prevalent and that everywhere I look, everywhere I listen, it's negative, negative, negative. So Father, we pray today for a renourishment of our soul, a renourishment of our mind. Flood our mind with the truth of who you are, of the goodness that you are, of the purpose and the plan for us that you have. The universal truths that don't go away. The from everlasting to everlasting truths that are for here, today, and tomorrow, and yesterday. That you'll never leave us and that you'll never forsake us. That you love us. And your heart breaks and hurts when ours is breaking and hurting. Pick us up as your little babies, as your little children. Embrace us. Speak comforts into our ear. Caress us and love us. Remind us, Holy Spirit, of the truth of who you are.